On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. Good to be with you today. I'm Pastor Marty Walker. I thought you'd like to know that. He sometimes is able to dress up differently. So I should have, been, should have said, actually, I, hello, I'm Jesus. I come like Jan Spencer today. So that would have been better. <laughs> but I'm uh, Jan Spencer, and I'm one of the assisting ministers here. We have such a wonderful church, great worship, wonderful servants. God has just really blessed this congregation. And even if... Uh, there are different kinds of things that move us far away, like my dear brother back here. Uh, we know that uh, the impression and the impact that God has had in this church on our lives makes a significant blessing difference. Hallelujah. So today we're going to talk about fishing. All right. Hey, it's June. Time to get that old pole out and find a fishing hole to go to. And, you know, Jesus used fishing a lot in his uh, discussion with his disciples. Think about the, the fish that had the, the tithe, uh, the coin in the mouth to pay for the taxes. Uh, think about uh, the fact that he called fishermen to go fish for men. We're going to talk about that today. And uh, I would say if, if I had a, like a subtitle to this message, it would be a message on change and being ready for the Lord to, to do something in you beyond what you ever thought. Um, and um, I, I wanted to use fishing as an illustration also because I, I'm not really a great fisherman, but I did find that I did hear advertisements on, the, on my phone about having this fish app that tells you where the fish are and what to give them. Have you seen that? Um, so if you're not a real good fisherman like me, uh, then you might want to get the fish app. And uh, you know, if, if they have a WhatsApp, then they also have a fish app. My, my uncle took me fishing over here near Santa Paula, and he said, Jan, hide behind the bushes. Don't let them know you're here. And I, I have a real rough time with that. So before we get into the, to the actual text of the, of the uh, message, I want to uh, get the context right. Uh, so I've got some pictures I'm going to show you. First of all, I'm going to look from the Sea of Galilee, that, and I took this picture from the Sea of Galilee, onto the, the shore. Uh, and that shore there is where Yolanda and I uh, had lunch and had a fish for lunch. Now, I'll show you the fish in just a second, but this is showing over the Golan Heights. My next picture I'm going to show you is I'm on top of the Golan Heights um, and looking out west across the Sea of Galilee. And I, you know, one of the reasons I show pictures is you've you got to get the idea that this is an actual place. These, the, the, when you read in the Bible, this actually happened at that particular location. That means a lot to me. I mean, I, I took 10 days over there and I ran where Jesus walked to go, you know, that's what they tell you. If you want to see the place, you've got to run because there's too many places to see. And, and so looking at this particular place and looking at where we were and, and the opportunity to see that, uh, it made all the difference in the world. Then when I caught a glimpse of this thing here, this is a fish that I ate. It is called a Peter's fish, St. Peter's fish. And appropriate that it should be in the Sea of Galilee, right? And uh, it's great with lemon. I recommend it highly. One of the best fish I ever had. Didn't taste all that fishy. And then finally, this last picture, which I did not take, I got from an animal of pictures I bought when I was over there. Uh, this is from the opposite side of the Sea of Galilee, looking kind of north toward Capernaum. But I want to tell you, this is probably the place where Jesus told the story, uh, or the event happened, I should say, that we're going to look at today. And before I change from the picture, I want to say that um, 
in case you're wondering how big the Sea of Galilee is, uh, let me ask you, how many have ever been to Lake Tahoe? Okay, Lake Tahoe is twice as big as the Sea of Galilee. Okay, Tahoe is about 12 miles by 22 miles. Sea of Galilee is 8 miles by 13, about half the size. So it's not a huge body of water, and it's navigable uh, in a short period of time. So let's look at the Scripture, shall we? I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and read the Scripture with me, if you wouldn't mind, okay? I'm going to read it with you. Let's do it. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Don't forget that point. Okay, next. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. Now, you know Simon's other name was? Peter, thank you very much. Going on. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Please be seated. Isn't that a powerful passage of Scripture? You've read in Matthew chapter 4, you know, I'll make you fishers of men. This is an equivalent passage for that. But in this particular passage, what I'm simply going to do this morning is point out some great contrasts that appear here that speak to my life. I hope to speak to yours as well, because this is a passage of contrasts. I won't give them all to you from the start. We're going to go through each one, because each of these contrasts portrays a message that God's people need to embrace. Contrast, comparisons, okay? Let's Start easy, and we're going to get tough, all right? Here's an easy one. In the chapter before, Jesus is speaking in the synagogue. Here he's speaking to them from a boat on the lake. That's a contrast, and there's your first fill-in. His ministry adapts to the setting, whatever setting, where he's ministering. And we need to be people who are willing to adapt. You know Jesus, and if you don't know the Lord, then we want to give you a chance to come to him today, but... For those of you who know the Lord, and I know a lot of you, maybe even all of you, know the Lord. We've got to be willing to adapt. As I get older, I admit, it's harder to do. Uh, yesterday, we were having lunch with our daughter. She manages an in and out They cut their lemons a certain way, but it's not my way. I had to show her the correct way to cut lemons. Maybe will it completely affect the entire in and out chain? I don't know, but that's... That's, but adaptation, I feel like, okay, I've come to this place in my life. I know now it works. I'm, it's set. It's not going to change. 
But you know what? God has other plans. God has other plans. And we need to be willing to hear what that's all about. Let's do another one. Jesus addresses the multitudes, then he addresses an individual. And what this lets us know is that he continually moves toward personal encounters. At least that's what I observe in this text. Do you see that? He's talking to a bunch of people from the boat, then he's talking to Peter, who's really taken over by this situation. And he always seems to move from the crowd to the person. He's, he's moving from addressing the larger crowd to each one of us in particular. And I pray, I pray that as you call this place home, you'll hear him speak to more than just the crowd of us, but to you individually, that he's wanting to, to speak something to you. This is the same strategy that was used by Paul when he spoke about all the different kinds of gods on Mars Hill in Athens. There's all kinds of gods. And there's even a, a, a statue there to the unknown God. He says, I want to talk to you about that one. Right, that one right there. I'm talking about the unknown God. And he began to preach about the Lord. Lives were changed. People's lives were turned completely around. Some of them were changed so, uh, so deeply that all of a sudden, here they come. They want to follow the Lord in terms of being a disciple. And I pray that today, as we move through this service, more and more will there be a call to us to be, let the Lord disciple us the way he wants to disciple us. Uh, one of the things that happens in terms of uh, our ministry has to do with rec- recognizing the adaptation to where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do uh, in personal encounters, like what happened on our street a few years ago uh, in, in Canyon Country. We had uh, a, a, uh, like a huge garage sale on the street, and Yolanda used that as a time to share Jesus with one of our neighbors. So it, it makes a difference in terms of what's going to happen. You didn't know I was going to show that picture, did you, dear? I'm sorry. I hope that, is that one of the ones that you allowed me to put on Facebook? Because she's really picky. If I take a picture of her, she says, you can't use that picture. So I did a, I did a wise thing. I didn't ask her. I went ahead and just did it. So, <laughs> so another uh, contrast we see in this passage, hope you got it from the text, is that the disciples are gone from their boats they're washing their nets, and then they get back in their boats, and they start letting down their nets. I mean, that, wouldn't that be kind of a bummer? I mean, if, you, if we could realize what it would be to wash all those nets, fold them up just right, and now some, guy, some dude comes along and says, hey, put them back in the water. We've been working all night. I'm tired. I don't want to do that again. Um, but we are not done with doing until Jesus says to. And I want to just encourage you, uh, Sanctuary Church, you're not done with what you're supposed to be doing until the Lord says that you're done. Now, I'm an older guy, right? I'm, I'm in retirement age. Only thing is, I can't find retirement in the Bible. I'm not saying we shouldn't change what we're doing to a different mode of life. I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to find a way that matches what we're able to do. But we're not done until he says we're done. Did he tell you that you're done? I don't think so. We're not done. I mean, if we're going to be done, then I guess we might as well just die. I don't, you know, that, what else is there? But I think there's something more for all of us. And part of the adventure of following the Lord is finding out what that is. I see my brother and sister over here, Scott and Betsy. They're finding a whole new adventure, raising a grandchild. Hallelujah. God bless you. You're adapting. You're saying, Lord, we're still going for it. Jesus tells him, get back in the boat. Back to the place where you worked all night and didn't get anywhere. But I'm calling you to get back in the boat. 
Yeah, I, I know you thought you did all you could, and so now it's time to do something else. Get back in the boat, saint. Get back to asking God, what does he want to do in and through your life from this point forward? Another, another comparison. Did I, did I give you the, the feeling? We are not done with doing until he says we are. There we go. Um, the next one is, at first there's a complaint, and then there's compliance. There's a protest. Lord, uh, we need to recognize that the Lord knows what is best and what we think we already know. But Lord, I, look, I'm the fisherman here, Jesus. You're, you're a carpenter. How could you possibly know what I know? I have an inkling suspicion that the Lord knows more about what you're doing than you do. Even if he doesn't have that trade on his little card that goes with him that he passes out. Okay? Um, to be forthright about why these men would give a complaint, it would be helpful to realize that their trade required great skill. Being a fisherman, in terms of what they were doing, was not easy. Uh, if you know anything about the kind of fishing they did, it wasn't with a pole and with a hook. It was called seine fishing, or maybe it's pronounced seine, S-E-I-N-E. And it's a series of different kinds of nets that go in between where the fish make it through the, some of the nets with bigger holes down to where they're caught in the nets that have smaller holes. And that's how you catch them. It's an interesting kind of a thing. And so we can say to the Lord, Lord, what do you know about my work? What do you know about what I can do? And the only way to deal with what I know best is for me to resolve to obey the call of God rather than try to listen to my own sense of destiny. The Lord has a plan for me. The Lord has a plan for you. Although we may have a desire to obey the Lord's call in our lives, and, and he, again, he knows, he knows the kind of work that we're doing. He knows the kind of church that we're going to. He knows where you're at in your life. Let him guide you to what is best in terms of what he wants to have happen for you. And that's hard to do sometimes to make those changes. Have we not been in a huge season of change over these last four years? My goodness. I look across the church. I just came from a conference this last week with all of our Foursquare churches down in Anaheim. Talk about change. Talk about having to adjust to, to realities that are new, that were unplanned, that were emergencies. I can certainly identify with those who have, who have had to undergo such tremendous change. And at the heart of this text is a call for fishermen to become disciples in the midst of what they know best. And I can identify with that. In the midst of their familiar environment, he's calling them. In the midst of what they think they already know, he's calling them to something new, something fresh. And I think his call to us is no less a familiar environment to us. <coughs> I had two successive, more, uh, two successive experiences with the Lord in 1972, before some of you were born. I realize that. That was like 51 years ago. The Lord told me one morning, he said... I want you to give me your music. See, I was going to be a musician. I, would, I had uh, uh, gone through a lot of training and, and wrote music and all kinds of stuff like that. Played woodwind instruments and uh, was in the top jazz band at uh, Cal State Northridge. Uh, had, had some great experiences there. And uh, I, I figured I'd be a studio musician or a music teacher or something like that. And the Lord said one morning, give me your music. Wow, it was a month before we were married, Yolanda and I, so I told her that I wasn't going to be a musician. And then the next morning, the Lord said, I want you to be my minister. And I, I realized now that he spoke to me in my language that I knew then. At that point, I thought a minister was a person that wore the robes, you know, 
and the little thing on, ha- on the top of their head, and they would preach or whatever. Now I realize that minister is all of us. Did you realize that? We're all ministers. Maybe you didn't realize that about yourself. We're a family of God. Read Ephesians chapter 4. We'll tell us more about that. But, so I told her, I said, honey, I'm going to be going to Bible college, and I'm going to I just heard the name of a Bible college that, that Sunday in church, so I, I'll go there. It's called Life Bible College. And uh, so I told her ahead of time, I said, honey, you know, I didn't call her honey back then, but um, I said, I'm going to be headed to the ministry. And she wasn't planning for me to do that. We thought we'd be teachers and teaching some elementary school or junior high or something like that. And this is quite a change for her. She had to make an adjustment in like three weeks before we got married. I also told her we we're going to have four kids. She's an only child. That was a rough, a rough, you know, a rough thing to get through. So in one month, she said, okay, well, let's, let's just go ahead and do it. So we, we did it, and it worked out okay. Isn't that right, dear? <laughs> Fifty years later. The point I'm trying to make, though, is that you may think you know what you're doing. You may think you're good at what you're doing because you're used to doing what you're doing. The Lord may have something different for you. Or to use what you do in a better way, in a more effective way. Let it, so you see how each of these contrasts is, is getting closer and closer, I like to talking it to you individually. Um, let's look at the contrast between the fact that the uh, disciples failed to catch any fish as they went all night long. And by the way, night was the best time for fishing You need on the Sea of Galilee. And then the Lord told them what they needed to do, and they caught a whole bunch of fish during the day. Which brings us to that next fill-in. His time is always the best time to do whatever he says to do. That's always the best time. Timing may not fit in terms of your idea of it, but it fits in terms of what his vision for you is going to be. Always go with his time. They failed after fishing at the usual time, but they succeeded after fishing at the Lord's time. It's time to say the best time to do what we're supposed to do is when he says it's time to do what we're supposed to do. I don't think even Fish Brain App can even catch that. I think the Lord, that's supposed to laugh on that, but that's all right. <laughs> I put that in there especially. I said, when I put that Fish Brain App in there again, they're going to really come out of their seats because that was a good. <laughs> all right, I'll have to change that for the next service. It didn't work. And then let's go to one more contrast. It's getting a little bit, uh, the heat's going up in the room. The disciples' nets were empty, and then they're full to breaking. That's a contrast. And from that we can conclude, the next fill-ins, the Lord's strategy results in more than we can ask or imagine. Let me tell you, results speak volumes. You know? You can't catch fish in the Lord's fleet if your net is nearly folded along the shore. You can catch anything. Your net will stay empty unless you let it down for a catch. You got to have your net in the water in order to be in the game. It's time to continue on the Lord's journey in his way and with his strategy, which may be unfamiliar and uncomfortable a whole lot. I spoke with one pastor one Friday afternoon. I said, hey, have you thought about maybe on Sunday, send people out to your neighborhood and share Jesus with them? He said, why would we want to do that? I'm thinking, wow. If we don't recognize that part of what the Lord wants us to do is touch people's lives and any idea uh, may seem strange. But I hear the Lord saying, whatever he says, do it. Um, 
Find a way to make it work. Find a way for him to use you on your job. You might be dressed like a U.S. Postal Service person, but inside you're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might be serving at a public school somewhere, trying to teach kids how to read and write, but inside there's a minister of the gospel making a difference one child at a time. You may be at a place where you're not allowed to talk about God or anything like that, but your life is shining so brightly for his goodness that his strategy through you results in all kinds of life changes for the good in people around you. Um, and, and it really has to do more than just being in the right location according to what you think. It's wherever he says to do what he wants you to do, be willing to do it. The main thing here, though, is to envision your net in the water. What would it be to get your net in the water? Or if your net is already in the water, to get it deeper in the water? Because I know some of you may need to pull your net back a little bit because it's too deep in there, okay? I mean, you got to have balance, right? The Lord's not against balance. I like what Ephesians 3, 20, 21 says. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. That phrase in there, to accomplish infinitely more than we thought might ask or think. The whole idea there is a superabundance. There's actually uh, several prepositions, uh, several um, prefixes in there. And post, what is it? Prefixes on the front, what's on the back? Suffixes that, that cause this whole word to be amplified. It's superabundance. It's more than, more than, more than enough. That's the Lord's work. Let him do his strategy through you and beyond what you can imagine is going to take place. We're almost to the end here, and I want to bring this one here. Uh, this next one is really where I live a lot, um, where Peter tells the Lord to get away from him, and then he and others come away with him. Jesus confronts our fear of discipleship. It can be fearful to think about the Lord wanting to use your life beyond what you thought it should be used. He starts messing with you. It can be fearful. Yolanda and I are still trying to figure out what retirement is supposed to be or what these years are supposed to be. We, we uh, concluded our full-time senior pastoral role seven years ago, and we're still trying to figure it out, and that's okay. Keep asking questions. Just don't give up. One of the things that we feel very blessed by is hooking up with the Sanctuary Church and being a part of what's happening here. Our families are already here. Our daughter, Rachel Edwards, uh, is, is why we moved here. But we've, we've known Marty and, and Debbie for years and feel very blessed that the Lord would put us here in this place. But to move beyond that, to move beyond what we're comfortable with in this place can be a challenge. I fit real nice in this particular setting. Okay, great. Now, how can the Lord use you? What does the Lord want to do through you beyond what you know now? I'm not saying leave here. I'm saying right here. Let the net down right here. Peter's in crisis. He's a revelation of his small-mindedness and his conflict of soul. Jesus just blown his mind totally away. Everything Peter thought he knew about life was suddenly being reevaluated in light of the presence of Jesus and the miracle that just took place. This isn't the only misunderstanding, by the way, that Peter had with the Lord. So just let me let, me, let, me let you know that. 
Peter had several misunderstandings with Jesus, and he, he works real well with us when we have misunderstandings with him. He, he can work right through that. And, and Jesus doesn't even address Peter's self-disclosed sinful nature. He says, I'm a sinful man. Jesus didn't say a thing about that. He didn't, he didn't address it at all. He focused on the root of Peter's response, which was fear of the unknown, fear of something different, fear of something he couldn't control. So what stops us from coming away with Jesus? For those guys, they were able to come away with him. I want to do that too, don't you? I want to be right where he's at. I mean, I'm afraid, but what else is there? There's nothing else. Fear of followership can plague God's people. So I'm asking you to think about what fear of followership do you have in your life? Are you afraid of what people will say about you if you're really sold out for, for the Lord or, or if people start to see you as a Jesus person or, or, or that you might no longer be really cool because you love the Lord? You need to see that Jesus Revolution movie and then you understand me a little bit better on that. But it's time to abandon whatever you're afraid of losing about yourself and be all in. These few, few short years you are here on this planet compared to an eternity is nothing. Now's the time to be all in. It's all hands on deck in the church. People need Jesus. People need him now just as bad, if not worse, than before. We come to our last contrast, where one moment they're pulling up their boats, and the next moment they're leaving their boats, and they're following Jesus. Preferring Jesus means that we leave everything else behind. Now, they didn't stop knowing their, what fishing was like because they refer to it elsewhere, uh, at other times. But we need to leave on shore the stuff or the part of our life that we think isn't going to contribute to what God wants us to do. It's time to make sure that we're focused on what that is for him. What would it take for any of us to leave our lives to work, pull up stakes, and say goodbye to what we had done for the sake of following the Lord? That would be a challenge, a real challenge. And I'm not trying to, ins I'm not trying to infer that you should quit your job and go out on the streets. I'm not saying that. But you know what? For some, it may be time to make a change. You have to, to work through that. Or adjust what you do to, to a, a, adopt and embrace the word of the Lord to your life. Now suppose, Christ followers, you in effect serve the Lord in this church to call people to leave everything behind. That's what we're to do. Just as we must do ourselves. Did Jesus say to leave the boats behind in so many words? Absolutely not. But the disciples, disciples realized that what the Lord was calling them to would be encumbered by the boat. What's going to hold you back to go on? When we let down the nets, is there any room for our junk and our insistence to be who we think we're supposed to be to get in the way of what the Lord's way is all about? No room. Better without the stuff that we have tied to us that doesn't have anything to do with what God wants to do through us. Maybe we, we learned a lot back then, but he wants us to press forward to what the new day of following him is about. So those are the contrasts. I want to share with you an example, a personal example of a contrast. This last week, I think I mentioned that we were at a convention down with our brothers and sisters in Foursquare. And here's a picture of somebody I know who was at our booth that we had. And if you go in the, in the uh, uh, wing over here, hospitality room, you're going to find that 
that booth is there. This is what we did. What Yolanda and I are about is, uh, right now with our lives, is working to raise up pastors and people in churches to be strong, more strongly equipped. We call this WMI, Western Ministry Institute. We have folks that have been through it or are already in it. Raise your hand if you've been in it or through it. All right, there we have in the back. Polarski's good. We, uh, a number of people through our, in our church have been through this, and I'm not here, to, I'm not here as a promoter. I, I guess I am. Um, <laughs> but I'm using this as an example, personal example, that the Lord has given Yolanda and I, he said, let down your nets again. Because we know what this needs to happen. We know what needs to happen here. We have a little bit of insight on that, having been involved with this kind of stuff for decades. So we're, we're, we're letting the nets down. And it's inconvenient to us. But it's exactly where we need to be. Yes, dear? Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm so glad she said that. I'm so glad she agreed. So I'm saying to you, what is your next? What does it mean for you to say yes to the Lord? Yes, I'm going to follow him. Yes, I'm going to do what he wants to have done. My prayer for you is that that's going to happen. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, thank you and bless you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us about letting down the nets, even if it seems importune to us. To find out what that means for us individually. Let them down further or let them down wholesale. To be available to you, Lord Jesus, to be effective as a believer. Maybe, it has, maybe this whole message is about somebody here in ministering to their neighbor more effectively. Lord, we thank you and praise you for the power of your Holy Spirit making the word take charge in our hearts in terms of truth. And Lord, inspiring us to say yes to God, our Father. We want to be all that you've called us to be. We thank you for it, Lord. Cause us to navigate those changes. Come to the place where the nets are lowered for the sake of your glory in a fresh way, in a fruitful way, regardless the obstacles that we may face in order for it to happen. And in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now we've got some questions for you to ask. We take time being a group of three or four people right around where you are and talk to them about some questions we have on the board. What's your takeaway? What's the big life change that took place in your life because of the Lord? How has the Lord called you? How has he called you to leave something you were comfortable doing so that you could be better, better able to serve him? Take time, will you? Go ahead. You know, I'm, but before, as you do that, I told them, I said, if I go long, start the Jeopardy music so I'll know. They didn't have to start the Jeopardy music, so this is a success. God bless you.